take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for nearly 20 years. Everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In today's episode, episode 46, we will be talking about communication. The number one reason people come to see us. The number one reason that they put on the form saying why they need help. As a couple. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Communication problems. Yep. Right. And so this is a a kind of an overarching issue. Right. uh, Because communication means a lot of different things to a lot of different couples. Which we'll get into. Right. Well, before we get into that, we're just going to read one of the reviews that we got uh, on iTunes. Um, the title is Feel the Synergy. That's cool. And this comes from Gina Johnson in Canada. What a great relationship podcast created by a couple that has a great synergy and connection. I have subscribed and can't wait to catch up on all the episodes. Thank you, Gina. Thank you so much for that review. It was really flattering and yeah, honoring. Very I cool. really, really appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out and sharing that with us. So we're going to get into the topic of communication. And communication means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Most couples, when they first come in, they say that they're having communication problems. Mm -hmm. And so we always have to clarify with them where the problems are and what that means. Yeah, and we usually do that over five or six sessions. It's a really a cumulative thing to understand why communication breaks down because it's not about vocabulary. No, it's not. <laughs> We've never taught them vocabulary. Not once. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But we have taught them how to translate each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Which we're going to get into too because the major language that is communicated in relationships is emotion. Eighty-five percent of communication is below the neck, right? And you know, I, I do have to kind of mention here about um, the male gender, because most often I run into men who have trouble communicating their emotions. It's their amygdalas. The amygdala. The amygdala is the part of the brain that really controls a fight, flight, or freeze response. It is there for survival for us, right? Yeah, men have bigger amygdalas than women. And they did this study that shows the left amygdala, which controls our um, attack mode or fight. And then the right amygdala is more problem solving. 
and then they showed men and women horror movies and the man's left amygdala was activated. So they, when they had a potential threat, they wanted to fight. But for women, both of them activated because a lot of times for women, we have to be preemptive because once we're in the middle of a situation, we're probably going to lose. What's very interesting is that there was a sociological study that was done. I don't remember what year, but um, they were they were trying to make a determination between male infants and female infants and their emotiveness. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they found that um, male infants actually were more emotionally expressive than female infants, but. Because this was a longitudinal study, they caught up with these children eight, nine years later, and then they found that it had completely switched, right? So that now, you know, the the, the girls are, are much more emotionally expressive than, than the boys. Why did they think? And they thought that because of societal influences. Or domestication. Or domestication. You know, that male toddlers, if they fall down, they're usually told to just, you know, to brush it off it's okay, you know, and to try to just get through and past the pain that they're feeling. Whereas if a female toddler falls down, most often they're picked up and they're nurtured. So they're actually reinforced to emote. That's really interesting because that is our primary relationship, right? And so if boys are taught to disconnect and girls are taught to go to a person when you get married <laughs> and you have this uh <laughs> pursuer distancer thing going on where one person's chasing right. after the other person right yeah right and so most often that's what we're running into is you know men saying that they don't they're not in touch with their feelings first of all and then they have a hard time communicating it i think the healthiest thing is a, a combination of both to nurture someone when they're hurting and also to teach them emotional regulation so that they're not whining about everything that happens in their life and they have some resilience. So it's a tough job to raise a human being like that, but I think that's an important thing is a little bit of both. Well, this is the challenge for every couple mm-hmm. in their relationship right. is finding that balance point and being able to teach each other how to communicate, how to express their emotions and how to connect at that level, which is a very difficult thing to do. And it is unique to every relationship. Absolutely. You know, the three places that are responsible for communication are our head, which is where we have language, our heart, which is where we have emotion, and our gut, which is where we have instinct. And instinct is learned throughout our lives to how we react to potential threats, right? Right. And the easiest of those three to shut down is our heart. We can wall up that heart and shut it down, and that's usually the problem. So communication between two people cannot happen until a person by themselves learns how to listen to their heart again. So I was listening to a podcast of Greg Braden's where he talks about this, I think it was in... American science. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. And they they did this study where they found in our hearts are neurolites, which means they're neurons, brain cells that we 
typically consider in the brain in our heart and that our heart has a, a complete network, neural network. And so the difference between what we perceive with our thinking in our brain and what we do with our heart is filters. So our brain has to filter through our self-esteem, our um, domestication, all these other things when it, when it has to make a decision. But our heart doesn't have any of that. Our heart is able to just know the truth without a filter. And whenever we have a disconnect between our head and our heart, we will always go with our head because our head is what we know. And our heart, we don't know. Our heart is unknown. And so when you're teaching a couple to communicate from their heart, it's scary. It's vulnerable. Yeah, because the risk is great, right? That your partner is going to reject you or abandon you. And the one guarantee that we can give every couple is that your partner is going to hurt you. Absolutely, 100%. Right. And hopefully it's not intentional, but... <laughs> You know, it, it is just bound to happen when you open yourself up and you communicate from that heart place, you're going to get hurt because your partner is going to, you know, step on some of your old wounds unintentionally. And the challenge for every couple is to learn how to heal that and to move through it, right? Versus shrinking back from it, which is the natural response. When we get hurt by someone, we pull back, we try to defend ourselves. You know, and this is where couples get stuck because that defensiveness builds and now these walls go up and, and now they're not able to work through that pain, to learn from it, to heal each other, and then to move forward. And to complicate matters, 15% of what they're hurting about is happening now in their current relationship, but it's sitting on 85% of history. Absolutely. And, and this is a concept that we, we talk with couples all the time about is that your past inevitably is going to be brought up in your current relationship. Most often we don't know. We don't know that it is coming up, but it is a subconscious thing. And it plays out in your day-to-day -day communication. You're not arguing about the toilet seat being up or down. That is irrelevant. But what it does do is it brings up past hurts, past insecurities that you may have had way, way before you even met your partner. Right. And so communication at this level is so much more complex, especially because the majority of couples don't know that that's what is happening. Right. They really think it's their partner. <laughs> right. That's the best. So let's talk a little bit about some of the physiology of communication. So our brain was actually developed over a period of time. And when the little crustaceans crawled out of the ocean, they only had this thing called the hindbrain or the reptilian brain. And that part of us is very reactive. It's only concerns our food and safety. And if you ever see a lizard, it just sits there unless it jumps to eat or jumps to not get eaten. The hindbrain is in charge of all of our automatic functions, like our heart rate, respiration, blood pressure, digestion as well. It just automatically takes care of all of those functions. Yeah, it works on a biofeedback system through the vagus nerve, which has a bundle of nerves in our heart, our lungs, and our gut. So from the brain down, 
And that's why when we have stress, we have stomach issues, panic attacks, things like that. And when our breathing and our heart rate are in sync, then that vagus nerve and that hindbrain are settled down. That's when the parasympathetic nervous system is activated and we just go about our lives. But when our heart rate and our breathing get out of sync, then we start to go into alert and alarms and fight or flight. And that's governed actually by the amygdala, right? Which is actually in the limbic system. Right. And the limbic system formed um, after, we call that also the mammalian brain. Mammalian brain, right. And that's our center of emotion. And we share that part of our brain with other animals that bond, like dogs. And that part of our brain is concerned with being connected and attaching and being part of a group. And we need that for survival. We need to be part of something. It's very difficult to be alone in the world. You certainly can't be alone in the world as an infant or a small child. You you won't survive. And so that need for attachment is really, really, really strong just for survival. And that's the part of our brain that decides if we're going into fight or flight or not. The, the limbic system, part of the mammalian brain, also is what evaluates everything as either pleasurable or painful, right? And it's constantly scanning our environment, looking for potential threats. And we see potential threats much faster than we see pretty things. It, it is designed that way, mm-hmm. you know, to be faster because otherwise we wouldn't survive as a species. Right. We have to be able to react to a bear jumping out of the bushes in the woods, you know, and either fight or flee or freeze. I think some bears you have to actually play dead, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, we have to be able to react to that before contemplating about what that is. Right. And so all that part of our brain is subconscious. Mm-hmm. And then through a process of evolution... The prefrontal cortex came online. Right. And this is where we have logic and reason and contemplation and problem solving as where we create from. It is considered the chief executive officer of our brain. And so, you know, it deals with attention and flexibility, planning, problem solving, um, also includes, plays a role in short-term memory as well. So the prefrontal cortex is connected to what we do with communication in our heads. And it gets blocked by the stories we tell ourselves. And it's always so amazing when we're working with people in relationships. And sometimes this could be a family with five kids. And every single person in the family, that seven people in that family system, have a different story of what their life is like. And you would swear they live in different homes. Yeah, right. (laughs) It it is totally not surprising, Mm -hmm. right, that each person has their own perspective of their environment and what is happening in their environment because it is influenced by their interpretation of what they are seeing and what they're hearing and what they're experiencing. Even if they're exactly the same age in the same home having the same experience. Right. Yeah. That's where our perception comes from. And it's very interesting. I think the statistic is 50% of everything we remember isn't true. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, our brain is, is actually designed to fill in the blanks. So when the chief executive officer or our brain is in control and it is using story to process things, 
everything is usually going okay or you have extra mental activity because your emotions are shut down. And the one easiest thing we can shut down is our heart, right? And so when we're talking about the vagus nerve and the the mammalian brain, which controls the heart, it sends that signal to the hindbrain to say, we're in danger. Increase the heart rate, increase respiration, mm-hmm. blood pressure, etc. Wall up and protect yourself. And when we do that, we typically experience emotions of anxiety, anger, and fear. Because those are the lower emotions. Those are the primary emotions that that are needed for survival. And that goes down into our gut. Our heart is blocked by grief, grief of unexpressed emotions, hurts, uh, losses. And our gut is actually blocked by shame. Shame is the lowest frequency we have. It's our, it's our lowest emotion. And it comes whenever we have pain, we experience shame, which is interesting. And so if we're spanked or even if we are hurt accidentally, it, we go right into that shame. Shame means I don't belong. I'm not worthy. And all of these vulnerable emotions, you know, shame, fear, anxiety, all of them are activated in committed relationships. They're yeah. all brought up. Yeah. Because your partner is the person in your life that you will be closest to. So they know where the pain points are. Yeah. And they are going to, you know, hit those soft spots inadvertently. I like to think about it like if you have sunburn and you, someone hugs you. (laughs) It always happens that way, right? You get sunburn and someone comes and slaps you on the back. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? You know, when when, like people don't usually do that. Right. Because that pain somehow attracts that. It's a weird thing that happens. And even if someone is trying to be kind to you or even be affectionate, it's going to hurt. We always tell our couples that your partner is a greatest teacher in your life. And they are in your life to help you learn something. As well as you being in their life to teach them something as well. Right. So, you know, the parent-child relationship is our first relationship And our wounds come from our childhood. They come from relationships in our childhood. And so you might be looking across the room at a grown person when you're fighting with your partner, but it's a four-year-old part of them that's hurting. Right. And then typically couples are not communicating what they are truly feeling, right? And what is truly going on inside of them, whether that be pain, whether that be hurt, whether that be insecurity or fear, most often they defend themselves. They armor up, right? Kind of what we were talking about earlier, about the walls go up. Right. Because obviously those very vulnerable emotions are uncomfortable. They hurt. Most people don't even know that they're sitting on top of history. They really think the whole issue is what's going on right now in the relationship. And it, it isn't until they can speak in the language of emotion that they can use that as an emotional bridge to find that old history. You know, when we have people say, okay, someone came home 20 minutes late. What were you feeling? And they were, I was anxious and I was scared. And, 
oh, when is another time in your life when you were younger that you were anxious and scared, you know, and then they'll remember, oh, I remember, you know, maybe one of their parents was having an affair and would come home late and the other parent would be home and they would feel that tension or something. That's kind of a simplistic example, but... I, I use the example also of like weeds, right? When you're gardening, you know, all of these these very vulnerable emotions, they have very deep roots. And when you're pulling weeds, you can't just pull the top of it off. You've got to dig into the soil and you have to trace the roots and you have to remove all of the roots. Otherwise, it just comes back. You know, we were just talking with my uncle and he used the analogy of a tree for PTSD, that those roots are so solid in there, right? And it's really difficult to get down into those kind of roots. But the cool thing about our subconscious mind is that it has no relationship to time, which means that we can still be hurting about something that happened a long time ago. But it also means that we can apply emotional first aid to it and heal it. You know, when we start explaining these concepts to the couples that we work with in our couple-to-couple program, it really shines a light on how complex it really is. Yeah. Right? And the level of communication that couples need to get to in order to truly understand the other person and to truly understand yourself right, as well. To understand where your pain is coming from and how to heal it and to understand where your partner's pain is coming from and how to help them heal it as well. This level of work, most couples usually don't do. Right. And they stay in this, this tip of the iceberg place in their relationship, arguing about the same things over and over and over again and not really understanding where it's coming from. You know, like that weed, just popping the top of the weed off, but never really getting down to the roots and being able to heal something for good. Which we know is possible because we've done it a lot of times. And this is the whole reason we created the weekend intensive. So in the weekend intensive, you can learn these concepts and understand the skills. And it gives you something to a different platform to communicate from. That's probably the shortest amount of time you know, you need that much time to learn all these concepts and understand them and to go through the experiences of how your body actually works, how your memories work, how your emotions work, and then how to communicate that with someone else. And so just stay tuned because uh, we will be putting that on our website soon about the next weekend intensive, which will be on March 6th, 7th, and 8th, 2020. I'm really looking forward to that. We're looking forward to it. Totally. We are looking to have 50 couples. So this is kind of going to be a limited event. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to get a jump on it with pre-registration, you can email us at contact at couplesynergy.com, you know, with your interest. But it's very exciting. It's coming up. Yep. And so let's, let's dive back into communication. So if we go back to the chief executive officer or our prefrontal cortex, That's actually the part of us that we need to learn to control our breathing so we can get out of fight or flight and have deeper conversations. Because when you're speaking from your heart, 
you have to remain calm or you'll forget what you're talking about. And when you speak from your heart, it is very intense. It is a very intense, vulnerable thing to do. So to just kind of give you an example of how emotions affect our brain and processing of information. When we are receiving information from our environment, whether through, you know, through sound or sight, um, it is being processed in our hippocampus. And the hippocampus is kind of our, our memory-producing factory in the brain. And so it is being packaged in short-term memory. And if it is something that, is, that doesn't have to do with you, right, and doesn't evoke an emotion in you, than, you know, like a, like a story or something. It is being processed in the hippocampus, packaged as, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then you're able to recall that in the same order. But if it is an emotional event and you are activating the emotional brain, the hippocampus stamps that memory as an emotional memory. And so it orders it in a different order. It starts with the most emotionally charging item first and then in descending order. And if it's too much emotion, it doesn't remember it at all, right? Right. And this is true whether the emotions are positive or negative. And this is why people remember 9-11, where they were, who was around. That's also why you remember your wedding day, when your child was born, um, if you were in an accident or something, those are really strong memory that we remember on different levels. We remember it through sound and smell and sight and all sorts of different ways. So when you think about this in relation to communication, if a couple is having a fight, tensions are high, right? Emotions are flaring. And because of that, they are not processing what the other person is actually saying. Right. You know, they are filled with their own emotion. And now their hippocampus is reordering what they are hearing and experiencing. And the story, quote unquote, gets all jumbled up. Yeah, they get stuck on a word or a phrase and communication 100% breaks down. And as we were talking before, they're not truly communicating what they are feeling. They're communicating anger, defensiveness. They're communicating control. Let's let's talk about that for a second because you're talking about secondary emotions versus primary emotions. And that's that's the place we need to communicate from is primary emotions, not the secondary ones. Right. So secondary emotions are secondary because you have to have a feeling before that. So anger, anxiety, frustration, worry, those are all secondary. And primary emotions are more vulnerable. Hurt. Insecure. Shame. Sadness. Right. And those are very uncomfortable. People don't like to sit in that for for very long. And they don't, they don't want to share it. It's, it, it hurts. And you know, the funny thing is our brains are designed to avoid pain, which is a good idea, right? It's a good idea physically to avoid things that hurt you. But unfortunately emotional things that hurt you, it's better. It's a better idea to lean into those and to talk about them and to process them and get them out. That's how we heal that. Whatever we keep in, we just lock it. We lock that pain up inside of ourselves. And it doesn't go away. 
Mm-hmm. You know, as we're talking about emotional memories, they, they don't degrade as quickly as cognitive memories. Right. I mean, they're designed for survival. That's why they're supposed to remain intact. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't talk about painful things that have come up in a relationship, they will fester. Absolutely. And, and then they can't heal and then the relationship can fall apart. And you won't even really know why. That's the hardest part. You know, I think, uh, was it Socrates that said an unexamined life is not worth living? Does that, does that sound right? That's correct. And I would say that an unexamined relationship is not worth the pain. Because relationships are painful sometimes. And that pain is that opportunity to heal something. And that something is usually much older than the relationship. And that's I thought the you point. Were gonna say an unexamined relationship is not worth being in. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth the pain of, right? right? And um, those are those are really great opportunities. And there's a reason that we couple up and we find a person who's safe enough to share with us at that level, who will protect our hurts and our fears. I, I like to think of it kind of from a perspective of a video game right? That you go through the first level Mm -hmm. and then you level up and you go to the second level and, you know, each level is designed to be more difficult. Yeah. You start out and you don't know anything and you don't have any tools and then you collect them all. But then at the end of the level, you got to fight the big monster. Right. 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 And, you know, couples are in a way going through that in their relationship too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, once you are able to communicate at a certain level, and you're able to share at that at that level, you go to the next. Mm-hmm. And now you are challenged, you know, with something even deeper. And both of you equally are challenged as well. The beginning behaviors that lead to good communication are being kind to each other and creating a safe space together. And it requires you to make deposits into that relationship bank account in order for you to have a withdrawal of a, of a bigger topic. And so if there's a lot of bickering in the relationship, if there's a lot of disconnection, there's no place for real communication to happen. And so we want to thank you for listening to Couple Synergy today and hope that you enjoyed this episode on communication. And we hope that by listening to this episode, it is not only beneficial for your life, but also your relationship. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, uh, again, you can email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. 